Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. God bless you. Thank you so much, team. Thank you so much. We'll see how we go with this today. I've called this message Providence. It's a great little word with a punchy meaning. And uh, I don't know whether you've ever gone to a shop. I get these notions every now and then when I go on holidays that you go into a shop and you buy one of those massive jigsaw puzzles. Who's ever put themselves through that? Ha. And so you see a great picture on the box and you think this will be a good holiday thing to do. I had an auntie who did, that's what she did in her spare time the whole time. And I decided in my childhood, I never want to become that because that's all she did. And anyway, so you buy these jigsaw puzzles, you get it home, you clear a space on the table, you get it out of the box, you tip it all over, and then you, you know, have it all facing the right way, and then you set up the borders. And then the work really begins. As the borders are set up, you've then got to fill in the middle, right? And so the hours roll on, the days, and... uh, as the hours and days roll on, you finally get to the finishing touches, only to discover that the last piece is missing. That last piece is missing. And even though the picture is there, you can see what it should be. You've seen it on the box. You've seen it on the table. But now the picture is incomplete. And you are fixated on the missing piece. And you've looked under the table, you've gone back to the box, you've gone in the plastic bag, you've asked the family, has anyone been in this box? And you suddenly are faced with a picture that is not finished. And I don't know whether you've ever asked yourself that kind of question because as I thought about this week, who would have thought that just one thing could make a difference to the overall look, to the overall picture, to the overall uh, thing that you should be seeing, that one thing, that one thing. And I asked myself a question this week, what is that one thing in my life that makes a difference to the complete picture, to the overall Place. I think the Apostle Paul must have asked himself this question throughout his time on the earth, throughout, you know, his time in his ministry, his leadership, in everything that he faced in life, <clears throat> because we find in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, he says this, he says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, But he said, this one thing, this one thing that I do, this one thing, and I got stuck on this one thing because I thought about the Apostle Paul with all that his story was, with all that he went through, with all that he faced, with the prison, with the accusations, with the, you know, the the rejections, everything, the the shipwreck, just everything. If you go through the list of what Paul went through, and yet he says here, 
this one thing, this one thing that I do is that it's about forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. And I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. A man, I think, who knows what he's talking about. A man with credentials, a man with qualifications, a man who's gained some wisdom through life, who knows that life is our greatest teacher at the end of the day. At the end of the day, we learn through life's experiences and with everything that the Apostle Paul had to, had to go through, how do you keep your own faith from becoming shipwrecked? How do we stop and prevent our own faith from running aground, going off in all kinds of crazy directions? How do we safeguard our own walk and our own relationship with God? And I think the Apostle Paul has answered this, this one thing. He could have said 50 other things, but he said this one thing I do is that I forget what's behind me, I reach toward what's ahead and I press towards the goal, which was his heavenly calling. And do you know that this heavenly calling wasn't just given to the Apostle Paul? This heavenly calling has been given to every single one of us in the room today. This heavenly calling has been given to everyone that's watching online in this service. This heavenly calling. What a great... Uh, counsel to our own lives to stop us running aground to letting our own faith become weak or non-existent this one thing that I do maybe you've owned a dog like I used to this dog was a Labrador and this dog's name was Bonnie I don't know if a dog is coming on the screen but I but Bonnie was beautiful and he was, you know, Bonnie was given to me by one of my kids, but this is not a Labrador on the screen. What's that, a Border Collie or something? But Bonnie was a Labrador. There, right there, there's confusion right there. But Bonnie, as Bonnie grew, Bonnie's legs were too short for the rest of her body. And you take, you do the right thing, you take Bonnie for a walk but Bonnie decided at some point in the walk, I am laying dead and nothing you do will make me move. You'd pull, you'd coerce, you'd command, you'd do everything that you could and Bonnie was going nowhere. Bonnie was too heavy for me to lift and it was like, Bonnie, if you don't get off this road now, you're going to die. Sooner or later, something bigger than you is going to come through and your history. But nothing I did could get Bonnie off that road. Pull, tug, encourage, love. Come on, Bonnie, you're a good dog. You're a good dog. You're a good dog. Bonnie, get up. And through gritted teeth, it's like nothing is making this dog move. One night, Bonnie decided we used to have a sloping block, a 10-meter drop, and right on dinner time, you know, 
I'm having to ring up Maddie Smith to say, Matt, I'm so sorry. I know you're probably sitting down to dinner, but Bonnie is at the bottom of a 10-meter drop. And I don't know whether Bonnie could or wouldn't even make an attempt to do the climb. So Maddie, God bless you, Maddie, had to come over and lift this lump of a dog up the hill onto safe ground. I don't know if in your life you've ever had a Bonnie moment. It's kind of like we are just, we just get that way sometimes. That in this Bonnie moment, just leave me alone. Let me lay down and die. I don't want to go forward. I just want to stay where I am right now. I'm not going to get up. I'm not moving ahead. And then all of a sudden, the Apostle Paul's words ring in our ears. You better get up and you better move. You better roll up that mat and start to walk and move into safe ground because if you stay where you are, you're going to die. You're going to die. In the Gospel of John 9.25, it talks about another one thing, this one thing that I know. It's one thing that I know, this man in this story here, I won't turn to it just to save a bit of time, but this man was questioned probably closer to being interrogated by the religious leaders of the day. It's like, how come you can now see? How come you've now got sight? And he says, you know, I can see the man kind of answering the question in the moment. I don't know much. I can't tell you much. But I can tell you this, that this one thing that I know, that I was once a blind man and now I'm not. That I was once a man who didn't know where I was walking, what I was doing. I had no vision to see, but now I can see. My life is different and that I know. How it all took place, I can't explain everything, but I know this. Byron talks about his own life in a very similar way. 40 plus years ago, he says, I can't tell you a lot. I can't tell you a lot, but he says, I can tell you this, that I know that I was once a man who had no future, that I was once a man bound by addictions, I was once a man that didn't know how to put life together. I was once a man without hope or without any sense of knowing anything. But this one thing I know is that Jesus Christ came into my life and now I'm different. I'm now different. I don't know how it all works sometimes, but all I know is that like that, I was that and now I'm not. This one thing that I know. This man was blind and now he's not. See, we get one shot at this. One shot at this. And the older I get, I think that's becoming more and more and more real to me that we get one shot at this life. We get one opportunity. So why should we waste this one life? by wandering around in some kind of wasteland, stuck in some kind of wilderness wasteland, 
I don't want to look at ruins all around me and lay down like the Labrador and never reach towards the future because there's too much at stake. There's too much at stake in your life and there's too much at stake in the lives of others. And I hear the words of the Apostle Paul to press, to reach, and to go for the prize of our high calling. This word providence is kind of, yeah, it's been with me for a few days now. It's a, as I mentioned, it's a stunning little word with a dynamic meaning. meaning. It's a Latin word, uh, providence, and it means, you know, in Latin it's pronounced provid, providentia. Pro means before or ahead of time, but videntia means to see. And that's like our walk with God, that once God, the Holy Spirit, comes into your life, God gives us the ability to see ahead of time. We get the ability. It's not that we always see with this, but we see with this. And we are led by the Holy Spirit ahead of time into what He's leading us into. By His wisdom, He doesn't always fill in the jigsaw puzzle. It's got, I got the borders. I got bits and pieces. And it takes trust in the name of Jesus Christ to keep walking with God until the picture is complete. My parents, which looking back in hindsight now was a terrible idea. My parents took us to, when we were kids, probably primary school age and to Margaret River, which is a coastal town in Western Australia, notoriously known for sharks. Surfers love it because it has great waves. And uh, anyway, you know, if you swim there, you kind of swim under, well, I suppose enter at your own risk in a way, but follow the instructions anyway. You know, like any good father, my father said to me before we went into the water, now, Stay swimming here. Stay there. And most of all, keep looking up. Make sure you keep looking up and keep looking. Keep your eyes on me. Don't go too far out. Just keep your eyes on me and swim there. And if you swim there, you'll be fine. The inevitable happened. The obvious happened as kind of like 10-year-old kids, you know, you're invincible, what could go wrong? The obvious happened, and in not too long a time, we hadn't been out there too long, that we had drifted. We had drifted beyond where my father had told me to be. Not only that, but we were without, we were no longer in earshot of the frantic voices of two parents screaming out to us to get out of the water because just behind us they'd counted 11 fins. And they were not dolphins. It's a great story now because I survived. When you look at that picture, there's a risk in being outside of the father's voice. When you look at that, there's a risk being outside of the borders of God's Word. When you look at that, when we 
move beyond the borders and move beyond the voice, we are in treacherous waters. And we will, without a shadow of doubt, drift to where we were never meant to drift. God does speak, and He does speak ahead of time. And He does give us eyes to be lifted up in order that we might see. And He does give to us a sense, a sense that you need to go this way, and I'll be with you if you go. Or go that way, and I'll be with you. Go this way, and I'll be with you. The problem is that if you're outside of the Father's voice and you go this way and He wants you to go that way, you've moved into dangerous waters. We've drifted. His words are a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I am so grateful that I am not Peter that was called to get out of a boat in the middle of a storm. Not able to properly see Jesus, but heard the voice of the spoken word come to me. And I kind of meditated upon Peter this week saying, God, I thank you that you've not called me to do that. Only to realise that I've had my own get out of the boat words. To move into uncharted waters, to move into days where there's been storms or oppositions. And the only thing that gives you any sense of security or knowing is the spoken word of God. And there might be opposition, there might be storms, there might be resistance, there might be trouble along the way. But if the spoken word is there, then my eyes are upon the Father and you've kept me in safe places. We can't afford to drift. This is not a day to drift. Peter was given a specific word for a specific time. And God too has given to us a specific word for a specific hour. Church, make a decision today that I will no longer drift, that I will stay within the borders of the Father's presence and words, that I will keep my eyes upon Him and His Word will continue to be a lamp to my feet. His spoken Word has protected us countless times, guided us and led us through stormy days. God told me many, many years ago that if I would stay, irrespective of how it looked, if I would stay within the borders of his presence, then I would have his perspective. He spoke that directly to me, and it's been my safety net on many occasions. It's been our place in business. It's been our place regarding building church and all the rest of it and many other stories that I could go into, but the thing was, we get the borders, but the middle is still being filled out by the grace of God. He gives us the ability to see ahead of time, and should I pursue this? Should I go there? What should I do with this? And when we don't know what to do, we still stay within the borders. We stay under the covering of God's Word. When you move outside a covering, we've moved into, there's some sharks not too far away from where you are. I love the word that God gave to Abraham in Genesis 13, 14. 
and 15, he says, lift up your eyes from where you are. I love that. Where was Abram? Abram was in barrenness, but he was to lift up his eyes from where he was. Not just where he was going or what it was to be, but right where he was without the complete picture. The borders were there. The Word of God was active. The spoken Word was already in operation before Abram's life was complete. But wherever you are, lift up your eyes. Look to the north. Look to the south. Look to the east. Look to the west. And the land I'm giving to you, this will be for your offspring. It's like, what offspring? Haven't seen anything. It doesn't matter what you see. I've seen ahead of time. Now you go with what I see and what I've spoken and I'll get you there. I'll get you there. Genesis 13, 17 says, now go and walk the length and the breadth of the land I'm giving you. Genesis 13, 18 says that Abram then moved his tents and built an altar And I've sort of been hovering over that this week of building an altar and coming to that place of God and the Lord has taken me there this week only to remind me of what he's done for me. The sacrifice on the cross has defeated the works of the enemy. So walk in the victory I've given you, but I don't feel like I'm victorious. Doesn't matter what you feel, the blood has paid the price. So walk in it until you get there. You can't see your descendants right now, but let the spoken word cover that until it becomes a reality with these eyes. That's the journey of faith. He was to see, he was to walk, and he was to worship. What a great pattern for life right there. What a word to get. It almost sounds like the word that Paul was giving to us that the storm is raging, the opposition has come, the rejection is there, the jail is there, the, you know, they don't want to hear the gospel, but I'm going to keep lifting up my eyes. I'm not going to look down. I'm not even going to look around. And I certainly can't afford to look back because I've got to reach to in front of what's ahead of me, not what I've left behind. You see, when we overcome, when we break through, here's the greatest thing I can probably say to you this morning. That is not because you're lucky That is not by some kind of chance or that God has decided to to bless the person to your left or to your right and you've been left out. When you break through and when you overcome, that is a decisive, deliberate choice on your part that no matter what these eyes see, I am looking ahead to the prize of my God. I'm looking ahead to what my God has done. I'm speaking the spoken word until my, what looks like my present reality becomes the reality that God has spoken. Breakthrough isn't a haphazard, I hope it happens today. It is a choice of your soul. It is a choice of your spirit. It is a deliberate discipline of our mouths that I will speak the things of God, that my eyes will fall upon the written Word of God until the written Word of God becomes a rhema Word of God, that I'm no longer operating by what is written, but I'm now walking in what has been spoken. 
And when we can walk in what's been spoken, then that gives explanation how come Peter was able to get out of the boat. He operated on the spoken word of God. And when you get there, that storm, I say to you, you better cease. Because you're in the way of what Jesus told me to do. See, enthusiasm grows as we get on track. When we get back to where we ought to be, enthusiasm starts to kind of grow again. And yes, there's going to be some puzzle pieces missing. The picture is incomplete. But if we will stay looking and stay on track, God will finish the picture and work all things together for good. This one thing. This one thing. What is this one thing that makes the difference in your life? What is this one thing that keeps you in the race? What is this one thing that keeps you strong in God? What is this one thing? We've answered that through Paul's life. It is that I forget what's behind and I'm going ahead. I'm going forward. David said this one thing. This is interesting. David said this one thing. I mean, before we go into the one thing of David, let's be reminded, here's the guy that knocks out Goliath. Here's the man that's got to do with raiding armies that took his family, his children, his livestock, his possessions. Here's the guy that had to face even backlash from his own men that he went to, went to battle with. And yet David says in Psalm 27, 4, this one thing I ask of the Lord, this one thing is that I might seek after you and that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He could have asked for God, give me victory in battle. Let me take vengeance out on my enemies. Let me hold a grudge for all of my life for all the wrong that's been done. And yet David said this one thing, that I might be a seeker and I might be a dweller. This one thing, that everything flows out of the one thing. We get caught up with the anxieties of life, the worries of life. And what does it do? It chokes the word of life from us until there's no life left. Nehemiah's one thing was that he had to rebuild the broken walls and gates around Jerusalem. That seemed to be his one thing. Zerubbabel that we've been talking about this year is that it seems that his one thing along with Joshua and the people was the temple has been laying in ruins, and I got to build that temple. This is my one thing. This is now the priority of my life. I got to focus on the one thing. That once I get to heaven, I want to know I did the one thing. Once I stand before the Lord, I want to know I did the one thing. The one thing. Out of all the verses in the Bible, in the book of Esther, Probably the most well-known voice, a verse that all of us know is Esther 4.14. How do you not know whether you've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this? I mean, like, it seems to narrow down to this one thing. Out of all of my adventures, out of all of my adventures, out of all of my trials, out of all of my 
situations, out of everything. How do you not know that you've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this? How do we not know as the church that we are here for such a time as this? This one thing. We live in a world that demands multitasking from us. And most of us have become okay at it, most days. Until we get to breaking point and we realize that the multitasking has taken us into, I'm ready to snap here. Multitasking is probably unavoidable. I don't know how we avoid that. The only caution I can give is that in all of our multitasking, may we not sabotage the one thing. The one thing. The one thing that is the main thing, the most important thing that matters in life, not just now, but all the way through to eternity that when I stand before God, I did the one thing you asked me to do. Because out of that one thing flowed many other things. But if I did all these other things but neglected the one thing, then these things probably never reached what they were meant to anyway. What is your one thing? As you can see, I've been hovering around this this week as Paul told us to lay aside weights that prevented us from going forward. I wonder if we're willing and ready to do exactly that. What is your one thing? In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are on their way to the temple They're on their way to the temple and they are met with a crippled man. And this crippled man wants money. And Peter and John said, I can't give you the silver. I can't give you the gold. But this one thing I can give you is that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, this one thing. I can't give you everything. I can't answer all your questions. I can't lighten your load, but I can give you one thing. And that is what Jesus has given to me, I can give to you, this one thing. Team, can I have you back, please? This one thing. Pastor Caleb came and mowed my grass. And you'll see two different types of lawn. There it is right there. My grass used to be that one. And now it's that. And he said, Anne, trust me. Just trust me, I've been watching the YouTube videos. What could possibly go wrong? What could go wrong? What could go wrong? 
It was once green and now it's brown. But he said, trust me, just give it a little bit of time. I'm going to give it a bit of fertilizer. And before you know it, you're going to have the best green grass in the street. Right now, I'm looking at brown grass. We've had rain. I keep looking out the window to see if there's any sign. There's a bit. There's a bit. All I can say is that Caleb, in his providence, in the ability to see ahead of time, in the ability to see ahead of time, and you're looking at brown, but trust me, underneath that brown, underneath what appears dead, under, underneath what looks like nothing but dirt, there is a new life, a new beginning, a new hope that is rising up through the brown. And I want you to know this, that the spoken Word of God has spoken over your life. You might say, I was once green and now I'm brown. There's some borders, there's some missing pieces. But God is not finished with us. He's not finished with your children. He's not finished with your grandchildren. He's not finished with His church here. He's not finished with the call and destiny of God upon your life. You might have gone through some storms and some troubles and some trials and some hardships and some things that have absolutely wrecked your heart and your life might have gone from green to brown. But I tell you what, if you keep your eyes on the Father, if you stay within the earshot of the Father's voice, God is going to keep those sharks away from you. God is going to set you free. He's going to heal your heart. He's going to rescue your family. He's going to raise you up into the call of God. It is time. It is time to let our eyes not look at that, not look at this, but lift up your eyes and see what the Father's about to do. He's not finished and neither are we. Neither are we. We're gonna do what Paul did. We gotta see, we gotta reach, we gotta press, but we've also gotta trust. And some of us in this room and at home today, your trust has been severely, severely tested. But here's what I've learned as I've come back to the altar. My trust is being renewed. My trust is being strengthened. My trust is coming back to where it was. Why? Because my perspective is coming back. And when you look to the Lord, He gives you eyes to see ahead. And I'm excited for what God is about to do. Would you give Him praise? In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, I pray. I pray for Your church today. I pray that this Word would be a seed that brings new life, new hope, new beginnings, new places of trust, a 
a renewal, I pray, in the body of Christ. I pray, Lord, that we would look and sound like the church that stays within the Father's voice, that lives within the borders of your word. And God, we thank you that you are about to do extraordinary things in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name, say, God, let it start here in us. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.